Can you not hear? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Kingdom of Honor. This is Shane. And as usual, we're having audio problems, so I'm trying to add Jeff back in now. And we'll see if, it, if I can get him on here. Hello? Hi. You can hear me now? I can hear you, yeah. Oh, good. It's no longer telling me my speakers are muted, which they were fucking not in the first place, you stupid Skype. Damn anyway. that dirty Skype. It is. It's a dirty, dirty, dirty pool. Anyway, we're back, and uh, for the first time ever, I'm staying with dogs in my hotel room, and so there might be barking. There's certainly been crying since my wife left out with her sister, and she's having a Bloody Mary right now, so... Um, Who's been crying? You or the dogs? Uh, the dogs. Oh. <laughs> I was not celebrating either, but no, I was not crying. Oh. Um, so anyway, so anyway, um, and uh, and you know, to, to, there probably won't be any bathroom interruptions tonight because I can't exactly run all the way outside with the dogs while we're on the show. Right. Um, and, and leave it in your hands for more than a couple of seconds. So otherwise, it would go completely off the rails, like it has already, because the stupid. Uh, Technical difficulties, as usual. So but anyway, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about right on pace for a normal show then. Sure. Yeah. So I'm about an hour away from home. About now, I'm probably about two hours away from Jeff now. So hopefully, um, the the uh, technical issues are are done with for the night. But I, I probably shouldn't have said that. Knocked on some wood to to try to um, get over that hump. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, and down here in Duluth with my with my wife today, we had a pretty good day. The dogs are, like I said, are on a trip with us for the first time, and um, they're not chewing on the bones that I bought them, so they may be loud. Who knows? How's everything going with you, Jeff? Yeah, yeah you know, all right, normal, the usual. Well, normal is all right, so that's 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 not good. I should not have any children interrupting today since Susan's here to help me out. Oh, good. Yeah. That is excellent. Which will be good. Indeed. Right. So this weekend we watched um, we watched the uh, the two shows. We watched the NXT UK Takeover Blackpool, and we watched Honor Reign Supreme. And we'll start with the, with the Saturday shows. So we're not going to go we're not going to go match by match because that tends not to work out very well. So, <laughs> um, what did you think overall about uh, Takeover Blackpool, Jeff? I thought it was phenomenal. It. Um... With the exception of you know, maybe that match in the middle, because I didn't really get into the Eddie Dennis Dave Mastiff um, match, and that could just be because I really didn't know the story leading into it, um, since I didn't watch the episodes leading up. But other than that, I thought this was a phenomenal card, bookend by two two matches that have quickly jumped into match of the year candidates for me. Yeah, to me, to me, it was a, a good show. It was actually a bookend show in the sense that I thought the first match was great. I thought the second, I thought the uh, the main event was outstanding, and then everything in between for me um, was just uh, hand wavy. Um, you know, I, I I really did I really didn't like the fact that Finn Balor showed up, and I'm sure I'm sure you know that, Jeff, and. Um, and, and if he was going to show up, then he should have lost the fucking match because he should have been putting over the guy that's actually going to be on the NXT UK takeovers instead of instead of being the WWE guy that comes in there and just, Savannah, get over here. 
the the, the WWE guy that goes in there and squat and uh, well, it wasn't a squash. I mean, it was it was a decent match. But I mean, the, that goes in there and beats down the NXT Takeover guys. It doesn't get, that doesn't get anybody over. It doesn't do anything for Bauer. It doesn't do anything for um, Devlin for that to happen. Well, it did a lot and, for and, Devlin. Just because no, he lost no, it didn't match, because he lost. But all he did was lose. He looked phenomenal doing it. Yeah, but he still he, lost. He looked how, like how does, he could, how does it help him to lose on pay per view? Um, because especially, it's especially when it's especially when it's when it's to the same thing that Balor finishes off his job, you know, most of his matches with, which is the the swing blade, the shotgun drop kick, and the and the coup de grace all right in a row. I mean, it's, it isn't like see, it was a fluke victory or that it was a it was a dominant win by Balor over Devlin. Now this is one. This is one of the few things that you and well, I guess not one of the few. There's many things, but one thing that you and I have always disagreed on. To me, wins don't matter as much as how the how they performed. And in 11 minutes, he looked like he was hanging with Balor. In fact, in a lot of spots, looked like he was he was upstaging Balor. I thought this was a phenomenal match, and I thought it did amazing things for Jordan Devlin. And I sat there being bored out of my mind because I knew exactly how it was going to end, and it ended exactly this, the way it was going to end. And I, yeah, Devlin's great, but Bauer, or as I like to refer to him now, um, Van Nillar, um, bores the shit out of me. Every time I well, see yeah, him, I, so he bores the shit out of me. And and so he, and so to say it's a great match, no, Finn ba- Finn Bauer does not have great matches because he's incapable of doing so. At least in his current what- character. I didn't say it was a great match. I said Devlin. Yes, you did. You did Devlin say it was a great on, match. Devlin put on a great match. Jordan Devlin looked phenomenal in this. Finn Balor looked like Finn Balor. There was nothing over the top. He's ever since he left uh, Japan and is, has been a face. He he doesn't have the same edge and capability of putting on a five star classic like he used to. But Jordan Devlin stepped up, and he was phenomenal in this match, and he himself put on a great match. doesn't matter who it was against. He, he, he shone immensely in this match. No, it doesn't matter who it was against. What matters is that WWE decided to bring one of their superstars in to beat one of the NXT talents, which doesn't make any fucking sense. It. I, I, I don't know. And I, 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 know, I, know, I, know, I know you're saying wins and losses don't matter. They do matter. And... And it certainly matters when, when a win over a main roster guy could have propelled Devlin's career instead of, instead of losing to him. I mean, there was, there was no reason for Bauer to show up other than to pop the crowd. And, you know, I mean, I, I realize Bauer's popular. I realize people like him. I don't get why people like him. But, it, but I mean, at the same, but, I mean, it would not have done any, any harm at all to, for Van Niller to lose this match. I... No, it wouldn't have, but it was also one of those moments where they it that's that's one of the downfalls of the WWE is they have to send their fans home happy and having Finn Balor lose and that's the same complaint we have about every main roster star that goes back to NXT just for a one off match or whatever, they always end up winning. And that's just their way of sending home the crowd happy and it's stupid. It's a bad decision. Devlin, you know, probably would have benefited quite a bit, but Devlin benefited quite a bit just by hanging with him the way he did. See, yeah, and I and I hate that argument because that's the that's the exact same argument that people made about CM Punk in 2013. You know that that he hung he hung with the Undertaker, he hung with the Rock, he hung with Brock Lesnar, and then he walked right out the fucking door because they wouldn't put him over. 
You know, well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's the same kind of bullshit. People say, you know, he hung with these people. Well, yeah, I mean, you can hang with these people for so long, and then you should be going over them. It was Bauer, Bauer, you know, Bauer came in with with the advantage in the match. He came in looking all smarmy and arrogant, and yet he's the one that gets the victory. It, it's I hate it. I I mean, even if even if Devlin had cheated to win, it would have been better than than um, being squashed at the end by the most bland guy on WWE programming. The the thing about CM Punk that's a horrible argument because he was over with a four hundred some odd day championship reign. You know he that he was never reason, in the main event of and was overshadowed by John Cena the entire fucking reign. The reason why he walked out was because they were uh, turning him into a mid card feud against uh, against the Authority. They weren't and giving because, him the top and because spot. They had to job to, and because they had him job three pay per views and four pay per views in a row. To part timers, and see, I don't, I, I, I still, I. That's some, just something I think we'll never agree on. Is that a win and a loss in a match in wrestling doesn't mean as much. It doesn't just. I mean, that's but it just. Should. It's it's one of those things where either your most hated person is winning, so you hate it, or your favorite person is losing, so you hate it. It's just. It's not that important. It, what's important is what the story they tell during the match and what they did. You know, not to get off too off track, but I mean, we can look back at all CM Punk's matches. I mean, he okay, Jeff. Put on so, phenomenal so, okay, match. Jeff, you're right. Wins and losses don't matter. So Kurt Hawkins should step right into a WWE title match tomorrow. That's a little bit different. And no, it's that. not. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he loses matches, so he might, he might as well get a title shot because wins and losses don't matter. He's losing matches in half a second to jobbers. No, he's, he's not. Lost, like, it doesn't matter because he's losing matches. He's not winning matches. So as, according to your logic, if, whether you win or you lose, you're, you're right in line for a championship. So Adam Page shouldn't be in the championship match for AEW. Well, I'm, I'm was, sure there's going to be kind of a tournament for that. But when was the last? Uh, no, it's from what it sounded like is it's him against Pac. I really don't think that's the case. But regardless, I mean, he shouldn't even be in that tournament then because what has he done to deserve it if you're going by that logic? He has what? beaten Minoru Suzuki. He's beaten what? Jay Briscoe. Back when Jay Briscoe was unbeatable, um, he's beaten T- Togi Makabe. Um, okay, and what has he done the last six to eight be- months? He, he, he we, beat we Joey just, Janela. We were just complaining he killed about Joey Ryan. You know, we were we were just complaining about this on Final Battle about how he wins every big match he's in. Who's that? Adam Page. No, he does. He does. He, no, he doesn't win every big match he's in. He loses every big match he's in. He can't win. That was one of our biggest complaints about that match is that we knew he wasn't going to win because of how he's been jobbed so much to big stars. Right, and I and I and I think it should stop. And you and you think it doesn't matter. Well, but I'm just saying by the logic of uh, you know how this hurts Jordan Devlin, we have to look at the same thing with Adam Page. Adam Page doesn't deserve to be fighting for the heavyweight title for AEW, when was the last time he won? When was the last big match on record that he won? And I would say he does deserve it because he's going to be in a, in a tournament for that. Right, but this is what I'm saying. This is, this is where you know, you're hating this match because Jordan Devlin lost it, no matter how good Devlin looked, because he lost to a guy that you absolutely cannot stand. Whereas that's, with Ad, that's Adam Page... It's Adam part of the reason, but, it, but no matter who who it was, I mean, if it was AJ Styles coming down, I would still be like, well, how did that help Devlin to lose to a main roster guy on a big stage?
Are you still there? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay. So 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 if AJ Styles had come down and lost and and beaten Devlin, I would feel the exact same way. Well, maybe not exactly the exact same way, but I would still think it was a, it was a mistake. You would still think it was a bad decision because of the wins and losses thing and how much it would put Jordan Devlin over. But the difference there is the fact that you've got Finn Balor who is kind of a mid carter right now on the on the main roster, but he was one of the best all time in NXT. So let, let me say, let me say two words to you, Jeff. Gender Mahal. Yeah. Why did we hate that he became WWE champion? Not because of his talent, not because of his look, not because not because of his abilities, but because he went from losing and losing and losing and losing to to winning a like a fatal five way or something, and then winning the championship the very next match. Right. I mean, you. I mean, the wins and losses maybe don't mean as much in professional wrestling as they do in legitimate sports, but they do mean something. They do matter. They. And, Go ahead. They matter to the point where when it's a guy like Jinder Mahal, who is never even near the main event, all of a sudden jumps in there. You've got a developmental guy who has put on phenomenal matches with Pete Dunne, uh, who went up against a main roster star, and you know basically, it, it, if it wasn't for the last you know two and a half seconds, this match was a draw. You know, it just the the fact that he lost one match now if he continues to lose and lose and lose and becomes Tyler Breeze or something or Jinder Mahal or Heath Slater or Drew McIntyre look at look at what Drew McIntyre had to go through to get back to legitimacy if Jordan Devlin lost like those guys did and then all of a sudden was challenging Pete Dunne for the the title that'd be a different story Jordan Devlin hasn't lost like that I I also just want to say that that if this had been a, a small package victory or like a, or like a, you know, some kind of other roll up or a backslide or something, I would not feel the way I do that. I, I feel this way mostly because it was sling blade, shotgun, drop kick, double stomp. And, and um, you know, so basically it was, it was as far as I'm concerned, a squash ending. I mean, you, you very rarely see in WWE proper two guys facing each other and, the guy hits the guy hits three straight moves, um, three his three straight signature moves on you to beat you. It doesn't usually happen that way, and for it to happen that way in this match, I thought was was was, I, I thought it did a disservice to Jordan Devlin basically. I mean I mean if I mean if he'd gotten knocked down and and uh, you know and Bauer hit Jealous out of nowhere out of nowhere that would even have been better than than him hitting you know getting nailed with three straight moves and just um, having no answer for that. And, and I realized that he didn't, he didn't have an answer the other like three times that Bauer tried it. But, but I, but that was, is another reason why it shouldn't have happened that way. I just, I despise that decision. And I did not like the third match either because I, I felt like, um, well, like you, I did not have any, any uh, background going into it. So I just got all, all my stuff from it, from the, uh, from the video package. But I also felt like, it was it was a match that was that was done to showcase the um well i feel i felt like every time um i can't even remember the names of these two guys hang on a second
Yeah, every, every time Mastiff went, every time Mastiff had the advantage, he would do something stupid like go to the top rope or go flying at the other guy instead of just trying to finish him off. And that, and so I didn't really like this match either, just because I I felt like the whole thing was a um heavy a super heavyweight spot fest basically. We lost Jeff. Let me see if I can get him back, get him back on here. See, now here I thought you were just listening to me, and that's why it was so quiet. <laughs> that you uh, were, what, were you, what were you saying? I don't know. Where did I, lo- I would lose track? I, I, I was you know, kind of comparing this. You know, Jordan Devlin, to me, this doesn't hurt him. It doesn't make or break him. Like This doesn't catapult him to the top of the line in NXT UK. It kind of keeps him about where he is. You know, for a loss like this to Finn Balor is a whole lot different than if he had lost to Jinder Mahal, for example. Uh, you know, Jinder Mahal was a completely different situation where he was just a perennial loser. He gets fired from the company and comes back to NXT, wins one match, then he's back on the main roster losing consistently, then goes over to SmackDown, wins, uh, you know, wins one match, and then the title. You know, he was not a believable champion. Where some, it's it's different when Adam Page loses because even though Adam Page loses, he looks phenomenal in the matches he's doing it. He's not getting jobbed out to everybody on the roster. He's losing his big matches, but winning, you know, winning a fair share here and there as well. So he's still believable if it comes to having him as a champion. Where I just, I don't think that a loss to a guy like Balor, being that it was a one off loss, is something to get too worked up about. Um, I don't think it hurt him, and I, I think the match he put on propels him a little bit. But, I mean, he, yeah, he definitely could have gotten a major push had he beat Balor. But at the same time, where is he getting the major push to? Is he ready for that major push? You know, the fact that he hung with Balor the way that he did, it makes it a whole lot more believable when he finally does get up to Pete Dunne. I don't. I don't know if you how much you heard of what I what I was saying before that before you, we lost you. But what I was saying basically is that it, it isn't that big of a deal to me that he that he lost as much as the fact that he got he basically got squashed at the very end of the match. That it was it was three straight signature moves by Bauer to finish him rather than it being like a roll up or like a super, maybe like a, like just like just the double stomp out of nowhere. It was basically that, that mini squash at the end that I thought really was unnecessary. Yeah. It, and you're probably right. It probably was unnecessary. And that's, that's, that's what we blame. That's what the problem we have with WWE wrestling and that we've had with WWE wrestling forever is that the, the fan favorites, they have to go home. The fans have to go home happy and they have to see their, their favorites, uh, signature moves, you know, and that's just, that's one of the, the main complaints we always have. But that being said, I, I still don't think that this hurt Jordan Devlin as much as it would have had he lost to say Eddie Dennis. Well, speaking of Eddie Dennis, um, that the third, ma- the, the third match on this card. And, and if you notice, I'm kind of saving the best two for last. <laughs> oh yeah. Obviously. But, but the, the third the third match um, on this card, I did not like at all. No, I didn't either. Um, it was a waste of I, time. 
it was the it was the one match that made me um, keep this from being one of my favorite pay per views. To be honest with you. Well, the women's match has problems too, but um, but this not one as I, many as this one did. No, I mean, I the way I feel about this one is that it was basically a showcase for for Dennis while while Mastiff got the victory. But I mean, it was basically a big man spot fest, and and a lot of it was simply you know the fact that Mastiff would be in control of the match and then he would just go flying up in the air for no reason, or he would go to the top rope for no reason. I mean, it was just, it was just completely ridiculous the way, the way that, um, Master would get, I mean, uh, Curry would get himself back in the match because, um, or Dennis, I I think I said Curry, but the way that Dennis would get himself back in the match is basically that Master would keep giving up the advantage. And that just to me is, um, I mean, that's something that, that you would expect to see when it's like, a um a Goliath versus David type of match. You know, where where David keeps getting keeps getting um the advantage because the um the bigger guy is too con- too arrogant or too overconfident. In this case it was two big guys against each other that hated each other and you and while there was some definitely some brutality and definitely some weapons used, it really did not it really felt more like um a one-upmanship one type match rather than an actual blood feud. And so, therefore, the stipulation didn't work, and neither did the fact that Mastiff just kept flying up in the air to set up his opponent to beat him. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I don't even really want to even comment on this match. It was just that bad. <laughs> I, I, I really had no reason to ever think about this match again. There was just, it was... It was boring. It was, and and like I said, maybe it's because I kind of came into this cold, so I didn't really get the background and everything. But I, I just, I, I could not get into the match. There was nothing about this match that I liked. I just, I don't know. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Fair enough. Like, um, now, now for the next the next takeover we have now that you know I'm not going to go back and I'll go back and watch a couple matches that were recommended by you know Ryan and you said there was one that was amazing too so I'll go back and I'll watch those but I'm you know from this pay-per-view forward I'm going to be caught up on NXT UK I'll be watching it weekly so um, maybe maybe had I gotten the backstory on this it might have felt like something better than it was I don't know, but you know, coming in cold to it, this match just had nothing to offer for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't despise it. <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't find it boring. I just thought it was. I don't feel like those. I, I don't feel like these guys. These guys necessarily deserved that spot on the card. I guess, and 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 I didn't feel like the match really worked well as a hardcore match. Um, and and you know. Between you know, I didn't like I said I didn't really care for the women's match either. But at the same time, this really did feel a lot like NXT Arrival or the first NXT Takeover, where 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 really they're just kind of ironing out their um, you know they're ironing ironing things out and they're and they're getting used to what they're doing. So I mean, it's 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 not like this show's going to get a feeling great from me, but but it's 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 definitely. Um, 
I think they definitely have a learning a bit of a learning curve to do, but that's that's to be expected when it's an organization's first or a promotion, even if it's owned by WWE, a promotion's first major card. Well, and considering they've only had what twenty two or twenty three episodes to build characters, right? To introduce these um, the fans in England to these characters and build them up and and may flush out a pay per view, I think they did a phenomenal job with the limited time they had. Yeah. Uh, 20, 20 episodes is not enough really to develop that many characters, the amount of characters. And when you're looking at this roster, they only had maybe three or four characters that were known before this. And that's because of their time in NXT. You know, with Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, Mustache Mountain was really well known. Pete Dunne, of course, with everything he's been doing lately. Um, you know, the rest of these guys are kind of unknowns. So the, the short little stints they had on NXT really didn't introduce them to the crowd. So they're just kind of coming in cold and we're supposed to love them because of why. You know, give them another three, four months for the next uh, UK pay-per-view and it'll probably be a thousand times better. Get down. I'm not up. Well, that's between you and Susan, isn't it? Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's that's a, that's actually a very good point. So, so why don't you why don't we move on to the women's to the women's match? And and uh, since you liked it a lot more than I did, why don't you go ahead and and intro that? I I thought it was good for what it was. Again, here too, I didn't know the backstories, didn't really know the characters, but the match itself seemed to flow decently. There's some missed spots and some bad work spots, but. All in all, it wasn't hard to watch. It, it was something that I, I found myself actually enjoying there partly. I guess I don't want to say I enjoyed it to the extent of anything else on the card. But, I mean, if I had to rank these matches, I would put this behind the Balor-Devlin match. But still ahead of Mastiff-Dennis. I can't think of a whole lot of the stuff that happened in there. I just know that I, it was, it seemed to, it seemed to go pretty smoothly. So it was, it was inoffensive is what you're saying? <laughs> pretty much. That's about what I'm going to say. <laughs> it, it didn't piss me off. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a little sloppy. Um, I thought it was, but but again, I mean, this, these are these are you know women that are that are new to the to the roster. So and so I mean, it's again very similar to the to the early women's matches we had on the regular on the um, first NXT takeovers and the and NXT arrival in that sense. So well, and it's not I, I just, didn't necessarily go ahead. It's not just that they're they're new to the roster; they're new to a whole new style of wrestling. Ninety percent of these people are um, British wrestlers. Well. I think all of them are, aren't they? Except for Devlin. Um, they're all British wrestlers, so they've grown up with a British hard, a hard style, you know, a strong style type of wrestling. And, Tony Storm is Australian. Oh, okay, yeah. But they, you know, they've come in with this, with a, um, you know, this British strong style type of wrestling, and they've got to tone that back for, um, for WWE style wrestling. And I, I think a lot of it on some of these people was getting lost. I, I didn't feel like Rhea, like Rhea Ripley really was in her element. It seemed like a lot of, this, a lot of the messy spots were forced. 
And it just, and it could be just the fact that they're still adjusting to the WWE style of wrestling. Yeah, it could be. Um, Of course, um, I'll I'll say again why this is important a little bit later. But but the other thing that that bugged me, of course, was that um, it was another one of those matches with multiple finisher kickouts um, for, for basically no reason. I mean, it was, it was just, it's, it's a, it's a storytelling shortcut and, um, and it, it, it just, it, and that's something I think, I think about their lack of experience is that it's, they simply don't, didn't have enough, I guess, other big moves to, to try. And they were, and it was a cheap way to try to build drama. And I, and I always hate that, but I, you know, but I especially hate it when, you know, these are, these are young wrestlers who have who barely like you said been on television um they've barely been in the wwe system and yet these these finishers that are that i you know that are presumably going to going to be with them for the rest of their careers are kicked out of on their very first major outing and i and i think that's i think that's a mistake and i think it it just um, it does a disservice to, to the wrestler and to the moves because that means in the future you're always going to expect people to kick out of them because it happened the very first time you saw them do those moves, basically. If you're me and you. And this is why I will forever hate that one Austin Angle match from 2000. Because of that one damn match, everybody has to kick out of finishers now. And it just annoys me. A finisher is a finisher. Well, let's, let's just call well, it. I mean, let's go back to, to WrestleMania 7 where, you know, under Ultimate Warrior kicked out of five Macho Man elbows. Yeah, <laughs> and then Macho point. Man kicked out of, his, out of his finisher. Nobody had ever kicked out of it before. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 I just think the finisher kick out is just, it should not be. The finisher is a finisher for a reason. Once you hit it, that should be the end of it. Yeah, I'll, I agree. I'll, I will never like the finisher kick out no matter how many times I see it, no matter who, how many people do it. It's a finisher for a reason, and it should always stay that way. Except when it doesn't. No, it should always be a finisher. Otherwise, let's just let's just do away with the whole finisher and just call it a signature move and move on from there. Well, I think you and I have had that, you and I have had that discussion before that you know maybe maybe there, there should be everybody should have multiple finishers, and that way if somebody kicks out of one of them, they just move to the next one. But, kind of like what a, kind of like what AJ Styles has right, right now, where he's got four or five moves that he can use as a finisher. Right. Well, and he has I that guess, for for several years. I guess maybe three of them he really can't anymore because he's older. But I can't imagine him doing a four fifty anymore. You're only as young as you feel. <laughs> <laughs> he's admitted to feeling very old. These dogs are just not stopping. Well, they're in a tiny little room. In a strange place. They're in a strange land. No, this is still Minnesota. Not to them. Did we lose you? No, I'm trying to get the dogs over here to stop to stop crying. Oh, well, maybe uh, maybe your woman's gonna have to come back and bring them uh, some Bloody Marys. I'll calm them down. <laughs> <laughs> I 
are you? Do you have anything else about this one? It just these no. three these three matches. I really didn't have much to talk about. Even the Jordan Devlin match, other than saying the fact that I thought he himself looked great, mm-hmm. um, probably would have spent about three and a half minutes on it because I just didn't think any of these three matches were really noteworthy. Um, they none of that Mastiff Dennis match just it, it was so bad it angered me. But um, you know the rest of it. I, I didn't have a huge problem with, but I didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time on them uh, just because I, I didn't think they were great in any, any sense of the word. Now the bookend matches, those two are right now in two of my, uh, you know, they, they immediately jumped into match of the year candidates for me. The main event of NXT TakeOver Blackpool is not only the match of the year so far this year, but it's the best match since Dominion. Um, and that is very high praise for me, as you know. Um, it, is an, it is the leader in the clubhouse. It is going to be very t- tough to, to knock off of that spot. Um, I, and, I, and I say that knowing full well that we have AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan coming up at the Royal Rumble. And we have presumably... Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, two coming up at double or nothing. Um, we have Ricochet versus Johnny Gargano coming up at uh, in just two weeks. But this Good match was God. absolutely outstanding. Um, this is this is professional wrestling at its finest in this match, in my opinion. And and the, here is where and here is is where I was saying that. Maybe it doesn't have to always be that finishers finish matches. Um, but but the thing is that when you have matches like Tony Storm versus um, Rhea Ripley in front of it, or you have matches like um, John Cena versus EJ Styles from SummerSlam 2015, um, you know, when you have matches like that go out there and they just blow finishers away, basically, a match like this that comes along once in a while that uses the finisher kick out in such a wonderful organic way. I loved this match to death. I really did. And I would have loved it even more <laughs> if, if that shit didn't happen all the time. But I mean, in this one, and, and, and the thing is that in this one, the finishers happened with like 15 minutes to go in the match or something. I mean, it was, it was like, it was like they were using them, to try to finish it, but when it, but when it didn't happen, they kept going and they kept going and they kept going. And, um, especially the, the second finisher by, um, by Dunn and the, the, and actually all of the finishers by Joe Coffey, um, were easily b- believable as, as, to, as to why they didn't finish the match. And then, and then the final stretch where P Dunn's just like, okay, I've hit this move three times. I still can't beat this fucker. I'm going to break his goddamn fingers if he doesn't tap out. was just beautiful. Um, I adored this match, and I cannot... And again, I know it's only January 14th today. I know we're only two weeks into the year, but it's going to take a lot for some for a match to overcome this in my number one rankings. See, and I, I've kind of got... I've got this ahead of the opening match. Um, I I still don't know for sure if I have it ahead of White versus Okada. That, to me, was the perfect match. Um, This one was great. Pete Dunne, this put Joe Coffey on the map. 
I mean, he is now a megastar in NXT UK. Pete Dunne just continues to be impressive in everything he does. There was not anything about this match I hated. It, like you said, the, the fact that he pulled three bitter ends out and still couldn't beat Coffey until he you know, got that triangle choke and then snapped his fingers, that was, that was just outstanding storytelling. And that, but that's another reason why I wish they would stop calling them finishers and call them, you know, signature moves. Because this this is a perfect example where he couldn't beat him with his so-called finisher, but he was able to pull out another uh, submission move to do it. Yeah, I, that's a fair point. But I, I just my, my point was more that that. In in the in the grand matches where finisher kickouts actually actually enhance the story, um, these are the, these are the are the rare matches where it works, and these are and the, they're the prime example why you shouldn't do it all the time because it it is so much more special if it happens once in a while in these huge situations like like this match or like Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa last year. In uh, at Takeover New Orleans, or let's say Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. You know, I mean, when it happens on the big on big stages in huge situations, when everything is on the line, is when this stuff should happen. Not every random pay per view that comes along once in a while, and not by mid carders or opening acts. Right. Not you know we had five matches on here, and I can't even count the amount of finisher kickouts there were it just I it, in a way I agree with you because I think this was a perfect spot for him and it did enhance the story um, it made coffee look uh, outstanding like and somebody that Dunn just couldn't beat it which you know 35 minutes into this match and we're still wondering if if Dunn can defeat this guy this is a guy who's held the belt now for what four almost 600 days 621 days or something like that uh 605 as of today okay yeah so i mean this is a guy who's held the belt for almost two full years and it was in question whether he was going to be able to beat joe coffee or not the only thing i hate about even the finisher kickouts in this is now the next challenger for Pete Dunne um, in order to sell him as being as big a challenger as Joe Coffey was, they're going to have to, he's going to have to kick out a four of them or something. You know, it just, it <laughs> continues to build. It, it just, it annoys me. That that's just one thing that I'll never, ever, ever feel is a, is a right decision to make. I think they could have had near pinfalls without doing the finishers and still told the same story, but it's, I guess it is what it is. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Yeah. And, and coffee's finisher was well protected actually, because he'd never hit it cleanly in a position where he could have got a, got a pinfall victory. Even that, that first, true. even that first one he hit, um, the gun got both his arms up to block it. You right. Know, it, it was just powerful enough that it knocked him, that it knocked him down too. But, um, but I mean, he never, he didn't hit it cleanly. Um, he hit it cleanly a couple times on the floor and once on the apron, but never where he was actually at a spot, had a position where he could get, where he could get a, a, a pinfall victory in the middle of the ring. So I thought Coffee's finisher was really well protected in this one. And I don't know if it's recency biased or not because I just watched the Ricochet. You know, I've been binging NXT to get caught up 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm one episode behind you, so I'm almost completely caught up. Um, but they, I, I've seen so much of Pete Dunne, his matches against Ricochet, his matches against Undisputed Era, his war game match, and now this match. I'm having a hard time saying that Pete Dunne isn't one of the top four or five people in, in you know, in North America right now. Well, in, you know, in WWE, NXT, or whatever. In strong it, style? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd say strong style, because I don't think he's up there with some of the people from uh, Japan yet. But I I just, he's so fluid and so good, and he's so... He looks like everything he does is painful. And he's almost kind of a hybrid between Marty Skrull and Zack Sabre Jr., which is something I really like. Yeah, he is. And and when you when you watch him and and just seeing the influx of, of British talent coming in, then you, you really believe what Triple H said about him is that he you know that he would be a w, the WWE champion someday. You know, I, I, would, I, I really I really think that's true. That wouldn't surprise me. Not at all. I, I think he's one of the few people in the um, you know, that that would easily walk onto the main roster and um, you know take over. The only problem is he'll never do that because well, the main roster sucks. <laughs> well, we we can't say never. I mean, it, it's certainly it's certainly possible that once Vince McMahon is gone and um, Kevin Dunn is kind of put out to pasture that. Triple H and Stephanie will run it the way they've been running NXT, the way the Triple H has been running NXT, and we'll and we'll get actual merit-based, uh, fan reaction-based um, champions book, again. Bo- booking, booking. Outside that I understand, they claimed they were going to do on Raw not too long ago. Outside of AJ Styles, have they done that ever in the last twenty years? Um. Well. Triple well, I guess Daniel Bryan I mean, won the championship from Triple H, but they they, they sure, sure dragged their feet in, in, on that, and I don't think it would have happened if CM Punk hadn't walked away. So, well, and I mean before that, I would have to say it was probably God, twenty years. Well, since well they, you know what? No, that's not I mean, true. Because CM Punk, we, I guess, was fan driven. Because the fans were really behind John Cena when he first won the championship, too. It, it was that the, it was the fact is how they turned him afterwards that got on everybody's nerves. Yeah, once he moved to Raw is when they he really lost his steam. But I guess Edge Edge was kind of a fan. He was kind of a fan push that made him a champion too. Yeah, and even to that extent, maybe Randy Orton. I don't think Randy Orton was really somebody they saw as being a massive. 12-time champion, 13-time champion. But he was able to fight through it and become, and I think he just became one of the best in the world there for a while. So, but I mean, that being said, there's not a whole lot of, uh, the champions right now are, it almost feels like they threw the title on Daniel Bryan as a make good. It's like, yeah, sorry we put you all through that, through that all, you know, four years ago here. Here's the title one. Yeah, could yeah. be. I mean, I mean, we don't follow it anymore, so I have no idea. No, and, yeah, and I guess, I mean, I guess you're right. It's it's hard to comment on it because we don't follow it. But yeah, I but just, we, we'll, I, but we will be watching the Royal Rumble this year, and and you know, I don't know who announced it on the show yet, but basically, um, the Rumble is something that my brother and I always used to watch together, 
And so I watch it every year, basically in honor of him. Of, of him. And I wasn't going to this year, or I was undecided at least. And you and my wife basically talked me into the fact that we that we should still watch it in honor of him because we're not supporting WWE, we're supporting my brother. Right. Um, and so and so, um, my wife and Jeff's girlfriend and Jeff and I will be getting together to watch the Royal Rumble this year. Oh, and Susan has already told me that the only reason she's going to be here is to play with my son. Well, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to hang out with Melissa. She has no interest in watching wrestling. I'm sure she'll be wanting to hang out with Melissa. I'm just saying she's has no interest in the actual ma- uh, wrestling. No, I'm sure she doesn't. Heathen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these dogs are just not going to stop. Yeah, it's, I I can't hear them. So. Yeah, but they're driving Honestly. me crazy, and I'm sure that I'm sure that the other guests at the hotel can hear them. Mm-hmm. Well, they shouldn't have a dog-friendly hotel then. When Wait, you go to be staying at one? No, <laughs> when, when you have a pet-friendly hotel, you expect those things. Yeah. And as long as it's seven o'clock at night and not you know ten thirty, it's a whole different story. Right. Now, speaking of which, um, you know, after this match was over, and I. I mean, we're already almost an hour in because of technical difficulties, but after this match was over, we had a an appearance by somebody <clears throat> who made his long-awaited debut. And yeah, I, 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 yeah it, wasn't long, it wasn't long-awaited to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I mean we, we didn't never, neither one of us really wanted him there in the first place. No, I mean... It's, but a lot of that's because of the WWE stigma and the fact that eventually they're going to make main rosters and then they're going to disappear. You know, and we're running into that situation again here on NXT, where a couple of people that are really thriving in NXT are going up to the main roster and they're just going to lose. They're going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I mean, and. And the other thing is that, well, speaking speaking of, of people being lost in the shop, we probably should talk about that a little bit too. But uh, but I mean, the, the the big thing to me, I guess, with Walter being there is, are they going to actually know how to book him? Um, I mean, I mean, yes, they'll book him as a dominant monster. But my 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 question is, are they going to do that until they don't, like they did with the Authors of Pain? Um, I mean, the Authors of Pain were booked to be dominant monsters until they hit the, the main roster. The championships, and then. And then it was basically, you know, then guys like Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne, who were, you know, a couple of hands or, or a hand or two, you know, shorter than them, were able to throw them around with ease. It, it just, you know, so, I mean, if they keep him strong as, as a, a big tough guy who it takes a lot to beat, then, then I'm happy that he's there and I think he'll do, he'll do a fine job. But if, they, but if they just, you know, push him to the top and then, make it so anybody can do anything to him is going to kind of suck. I think it's going to depend on how they, on, on how they portray him. Is he going to be healer face? Because they have a major problem with making heel champions look strong. That's been one complaint about WWE I've had for, since probably the late 80s. They do not let heel champions look strong. Unless, unless, unless their name is Triple H. <clears throat> exactly. 
but a face champion, they have no problem making them look like tough superhero badasses. So if they're going to push him as a face, yeah, I can see them making him into um, a Superman. But if they, you know, and then we're all going to be mad because Walter's winning all his matches with the same five moves and he can never lose. He's always got these miraculous comebacks, you know, and that's what we're going to end up saying in like five years. But um, they just like even like Seth Rollins, his run as WWE champion was one of the most disappointing things I think I've ever seen. And he was inside the ropes. He was match of the year candidates every single night. But then his title run was horrible because he was constantly losing or, you know, needing to have the morons to help him. I can't even remember who they were now. Now, see, see, and here's another thing that you and I disagreed on, because my feeling was this was exactly the way Ric Flair, you know, kind of dominated the WCW or the NWA World Championship was exactly that same way. He would win the title on his own. And then he, and then the horseman would always be there to back him up, um, or or he, you know, he would he would survive with some kind of a weird rule, um, technicality like like Rollins did against Dean Ambrose in that ladder match. To keep um, to keep the championship and to keep, the and keep people hate. exactly. But they didn't make Flair look weak. Flair didn't lose matches, unless you know he didn't lose matches. Plain and simple, they he always had the horseman where every non-title match. Rollins lost every tag match Rollins lost. And then when he did win uh, to, to hold on to his title, it was because um, two washed up wrestlers that hadn't been in the ring in, in 15 years were there to have his back, you know, and, and what Mercury and uh, who is the other guy? Jamie Noble. Yeah. Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury were there to, to help him win it just the way that they booked him losing, losing, losing. That's another example of, of they made the champion look weak where flair never looked weak because he never lost matches. I feel like flair looked weak all the time. I feel like flair, you know, every time he, every time he wrestled sting, every time he wrestled dusty Rose, every time he wrestled Lex Luger, he looked like he was going to, you know, he, he looked like he was clearly the lesser of the of the, of the people. And he just barely managed to squeak out victories because of the horsemen. So, I mean, I, I, I feel like while he's a legend now, I, you know, watching at the time, you know, everybody knew that Sting was better. Everybody knew that Luger was better. Everybody knew that um, Steamboat was better. But, but Flair would always just find some kind of sneaky way to, to get those victories. And so, that's I, what, I mean, that's I do think Flair him. always seemed like he was weak. That's what made him a great heel. It, it, the difference was he wasn't he was still squeaking out those wins regardless of how he did it. The fact that Seth Rollins was losing, like literally getting pinned in tag matches. Flair never got pinned in a tag match. He always cheated to win or did some sneaky thing to win. He never he never lost in a non-title match where Rollins lost in every non-title match. I guess I don't you know, remember that. I guess I don't remember it that way. But I mean, it's just. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, I just I just don't remember him losing all the time like that. It's I remember him. I remember him, they, you know, looking weak a lot of the times, but never. I don't remember him losing a, a whole bunch of non-title matches. I guess I mean that, that. I remember Rey Mysterio doing that. I don't remember Seth Rollins doing that. That's just the way that they they book their heel champions, and they've done it for decades. It, it's I just don't think that they'll ever 
they'll ever have a dominant heel champion. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. I, re- I remember the one the one problem I had with Seth Rollins, um, not and not even really his WWE title reign, but when he lost that cage match to John Cena, when the U.S. title was on the line, you know, when he was a double champion, that that was the time that was the match I thought was just ridiculous. Didn't he lose the U.S. Oh yeah, didn't he lose the U.S. title though back to Cena on that when he wrestled Sting that night? He had the double match, Night of Champions. I don't think so. Maybe, yeah. well, maybe, oh, oh, maybe it wasn't, and then maybe, maybe Cena defended it in the steel cage or something. I remember that happening like at Madison Square Garden or something, though. Yeah, because the night that Rollins lost, it was Night of Champions when he uh, he had a du- he was basically a double main event. He wrestled Cena, and then literally the only breather he got is his Stings of Music was playing, bringing him down to wrestle the, for the heavyweight title. But he did beat Sting clean in the middle of the ring. Oh, probably because Sting career ended in that match. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let, let, anyway, we we got way off topic. So, oh yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I mean, I mean, Walter. I think Walter's gonna have some some great matches there. I mean, and he and he's somebody who I don't know that Pete Dunne would even be able to get up in the uh, bitter end. Or the X-Plex. So that would be very interesting to, to see him. He'd probably have to do a lot, a lot more res, um, scientific mat wrestling, submission wrestling against Walter than, he, than he'd have to against pretty much anybody else on that roster. Well, Mastiff, obviously. Right. Speaking of um, you know, getting off topic here, uh, I did watch the um, match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. on this week's Ring of Honor. Did you get a chance to watch that yet? I have not, no. He's uh, He called out Gresham at the end of it, of course. Um, but I, there are so many similarities between him and Pete Dunne and the way they move in the ring that it, it's just, it, I just, I want to see those two. I want to see those two together. <laughs> I want to see those two in a match against each other. Well, hopefully it happened in progress or something because I certainly don't want to see it happen on NXT because I don't want Zack Sabre Jr. going to WWE. No, I don't either because he'll get lost. Lost completely there, and why would he? He's got a good thing where he's at. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Ryan will be tweeting us to let us know when Zack Sabre Jr. has faced Pete Dunne, and, and we do appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, that we do. Um, so let's move on to the opening match then. Um, and this this match, I actually I actually tweeted out and I texted to you that there was a spot in it that. Uh, that I, I, you said you, you said that when you saw it, you jumped up and yelled "Holy shit!" and the crowd was chanting "Holy shit!" But I could not, I couldn't even do that. I mean, my mind was so blown. I just kicked back in my chair, giggling uncontrollably, and and I just said, and I and, I, and as I was laughing, I was like, that that, that really that, that really just happened. <laughs> it was just amazing, um, and and this match I felt like was was incredible back and forth. Um, a great example again of um, a moves that you know of, of finishers either not being hit to set up you know near falls or being hit in such a way that it was believable they'd be kicked out of because um, of injuries earlier in the match. I mean, I, I think this match was absolutely fantastic. I watched it again this morning. I still see um, very little flaw with it, and um, and I thought James Drake came out of nowhere to really rock this match. Um, you know, the, the couple of spots near the end, of course, but just the entire match. You know, I, I had never even heard of James Drake before. 
And to see him rock this match so hard made me an instant fan. And of course, I was already a big, a big fan of Zach Gibson and a fan of um, Mustache Mountain. I can't wait to see the, for these guys to have a rematch. That was just an absolutely phenomenal tag match. Well, that the um, again them showing off Tyler Bate. I thought Tyler Bate really shown in this match too. Um, and it seems like every time he's in a match lately, he's the one stealing the show. And he uh, gets better every time out. Every single time. And he just, he's hes so fluid and so phenomenal in the ring that he's just, uh, now I see why they made him the first ever UK champion. Um, granted, he was green behind the ears and, you know, his wave and all that good guy stuff was a little much, which is why they had to get it off him onto Pete Dunne. And Pete Dunne has proven that he deserved it. But Tyler Bate, every single time I see him, I'm more and more impressed with him. When he picked up um, Zach Gibson and then threw him over James Drake, uh, Drake's shoulders and then picked them both up, I, I was just looking at that like there's no way this guy is that inhuman. He cannot be that strong. But he pulled it off, and he, I mean, every move he does is just flawless, absolutely flawless. Yeah, he, he's, he, he really is excellent, and, and it's scary that he's only 21 years old. So, right. I mean, I mean uh, you know, can, can you imagine how good he's going to be in, in the next? I mean, it's the way I feel about Will Ospreay. You know what I mean? I mean, Ospreay is, is just now at 25 years old, um, or is he 26? I think he's 26 he's, now. Yeah, he yeah. just turned 26. Yeah, at 26 years old, is just now becoming an actual storyteller in the ring. <laughs> and, and what he can do in there is just amazing. And, and you know, think about, it, think about it. Tyler Bate is five years younger than Will Ospreay. So and I, probably I mean, five years ahead of him in storytelling. Right. I mean, it's it just it's just phenomenal what, what Bate's going to be in, in the future. I mean, I mean, we saw Bate versus Dunn twice now. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, you know, their match of the year in, was it 2017? Yeah, 2017 at TakeOver Chicago was absolutely outstanding. And I, and, I, and I would bet that we're going to get those guys in the main event of a major pay-per-view within the, within the next two to three years. I hope so. I, I think that, I mean, Tyler Bate, he's, he's got the athleticism and, um, you know, the spot fest ability, but he doesn't pull it out as often as like Will Ospreay that's what Ospreay for years just relied on Tyler Bates mm-hmm. doesn't need to rely on that because he's such a good storyteller he's so good at at picking when the spots need to come and I don't I, I, I can't give that to WWE for giving him credit uh, for making him that good because I just don't think that that's all them I, he was like that from the get go he was like that yeah, from yeah, the we, we can certainly give a lot of that credit to Trent Seven though yeah, yeah, we can. Um, and Trent Seven too is another guy that just impresses me every time I see him. So, and you're right, uh, Drake. I didn't, you know, I'd heard about Gibson. I'd seen Gibson a few times, and we've seen Mustache Mountain probably more times than we can count. Um, Drake really impressed too. He was a guy that I wasn't expecting anything out of, and he came out and delivered. The um, that spot that you were giggling about is still one where I, I just can't. I replay it in my head, and I'm still in awe that that Tyler Bate walked away from that. Yeah, and and, and really, I mean, all four guys sold that so well, sold that entire situation so well. I mean, it was just outstanding. It was like you know, you know, Bate looked like he was dead. Um, Drake was like 
you know, just proud of himself for that move. Gibson was like looking at him like, what the hell did you just do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, the and, shotgun. And, seven, and seven was like, oh, my God, I, my partner's either dead or crippled. And I'm by myself against these two, these two maniacs. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to dive out on top of both of them. Yeah, and then and then Drake catches him in midair with a dropkick to the thigh. It was just like, yep. what the fuck, dude? Well, I mean, I mean, like I said, he was already impressing me in the match, but I mean, those two moves like really sold me on that dude. And and when the match was starting, I was like, oh, it's like a blonde Tarzani type guy. He's gonna suck, and I was well, totally wrong. <laughs> the look on Gibson's face is still just etched in my mind. Like I don't know if that spot was planned, um, and maybe Gibson just didn't know it was coming, or you know what happened, or if he's that good of an actor. But just that look of shock on his face is still just etched in my mind. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, that that so I mean that that is um, that is obviously so part of the tag team the tag team match of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah, tag team easily the tag team match of the year so far. Yeah, I, I, and again, I and again, and again, people. When we say this stuff, we, we do realize we're only 14 days into the year. So. But we watch an awful goddamn lot of wrestling, yeah. so it already yeah, feels like we're in June. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I mean, what I what I would recommend from this show is the opening match and the main event. And and I mean, if you want to keep back and watch the rest of the show, I mean, it's certainly not not. It's certainly not very offensive. I mean, it's totally an inoffensive show the rest of the way. But I mean, those are the those are the two standouts, and and that'll take like about an hour and a half of your time just to watch those two. So I mean, if you've got an hour and a half to kill and don't want to watch the full, full two and a half hours, then I would then I would certainly recommend watching the, watching those two. Oh. oh, and also Jordan Devlin's beatdown of uh, can't remember can't remember the other guy's name, but uh, that was pretty cool too. The um oh yeah the his backstage interview what I mean the the oh you know what and actually you know what that's the other thing about the, that's the other thing about the Jordan Devlin thing is is those guys, is first of all you would never hold Finn Balor in reserve if you had him there on the show exactly secondly, that secondly, was secondly the the reason for doing it was ridiculous considering that the other guy attacked him before the bell to start with that uh, I I was there with you too I'm like okay why are they holding this guy in reserve yeah he's he should have been but um. I, the Pete Dunne Joe Coffee match went uh, 34 minutes. You know that's bell to bell. That's not counting intros and in the outros and all that stuff. And the, the tag team match was 24. So it, it, you watch that, and that's pretty much the extent of the show. I still think that Jordan Devlin just watching his performance is worth it if you don't have a an obscene hatred towards Finn Balor like you do. But um, the other two matches, feel free to skip. You're not going to hey, miss much. Hey, you know what? I don't hate any wrestler, well, other than maybe Ginger Mahal. Or Finn. <laughs> I mean, Finn I mean, Ballard. I mean, I would, I would love Van Miller to, to prove me wrong. But, but the fact is that every time I watch him, I see nothing from him. He's always bland. Yep. He's always he, he's always cocky for no reason. He's always and, got that smug look on his face, and he does nothing for me. And I mentioned that on Twitter a couple uh, days ago that I just think I think once he came to WWE and became a or NXT and became the vanilla babyface that he's been, he lost all of his edge that made him great. 
he doesn't have the edge in the ring like he used to. And the, and the stupid demon gimmick is him trying to bring that edge back, but it's the fact that he's dressed like a demon that just bothers me. So I can't buy into it like I could in some of his NJPW matches. Some of the stuff I saw with him against Taguchi and um, Tanahashi after he formed Bullet Club is just amazing. Absolutely amazing five-star matches. Um, but he does not have that same edge in WWE, and that's what's really hurting the guy is because he's so boring. He's, yeah. he's, he's just hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and you and I feel that way, and Ryan feels that way, but there's plenty of other plenty of people out there that still cheer him on, and I don't know if it's if it's the WWE hype machine, if it's the entrance, if you know what it is, but but I but I certainly don't understand why people get so behind so far behind him. You know, and the and the funny thing is is that um, it was the exact opposite for for John Cena. People hated him absolutely hated him the last what six seven years of his career but he was still going out there i mean yeah he did some squash things and you know he ended some but he also went out there and put on just amazing matches and it wasn't always like uh aj styles carried him because he went out there and put on those matches against a lot of different people right so it's you know it's it's weird how wrestling fans are it's a I don't. I, I don't know where I was going with that. It's probably best to stop me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the other big show over the weekend: Honor Reign Supreme from last night in Ring of Honor. And we are back, and we're going to talk a little bit about Honor Reign Supreme from last night in um, North Carolina for um, for Ring of Honor. And you know, I don't think we're going to go you know match by match on this thing, but you know, just kind of some highlights. Um, I asked you the same thing about NXT TakeOver Blackpool, Jeff. What was your overall thoughts on this show? Um, I still want to know what 3S stands for. I don't know what Shinobi that... Shadow Squad. I don't like it. I, I really, really don't like it. Um, I hope Flip Gordon is... Um, I hope his injury is not as bad as they're, they're making it sound. Because he, just to fall apart and that to be an unplanned ending... Uh, is kind of scary. Um, lethal Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle is still just impressive. Um, PCO is a fucking maniac, and I'm still in love with Kelly Klein. Oh, and I did tweet this too. Um, there was something that made me feel odd and a little uncomfortable about going from Rhett Titus's intro music, which could be the worst of all time, to Jeff Cobb's, which is just a great entrance song. I felt uncomfortable going from one to the next. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, and Luchasaurus is still an amazing, amazing, just, I, he's just amazing. Yeah. I, I, I really dig Luchasaurus. I, I think he's, um, he's great. I, I think that I would love to see him, you know, in the mix more in, in ring of honor and even being, you know, up at the top of the, of the rankings there. Um, yeah, PCO. I mean, for those who don't know, he's actually Carl Willette, um, You know, who was who was uh, Jean-Pierre Jacques Lafitte, Rougeau. and he was he was not he was not a Rougeau. <laughs> he was he was Jacques Rougeau with the Quebecers. No, he was Jacques Rougeau's partner with the Quebecers. Jacques, was Jacques Rougeau was his partner. And, okay. and 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 I I'm never called con- them the Quebecers. I always called them the Mounties because that's what they were. They were Mounties. They were not Quebecers. They were Mounties. Did I completely misread that? 
Yes, that's why we were arguing about it yesterday, and, and you were um, being stubborn about the fact that he was Jacques Rougeau. He's not Jacques Rougeau. Oh, with Jacques Rougeau. I did read that incorrectly. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Maybe I need to bring my glasses home. Maybe you need to have Susan read you things. That would probably help, too. Yeah. Uh, All I know is this man's a lunatic. He is, and and he's like... And, and you know, I mean, we, we have talked before on, on this show about how it isn't necessarily age that um, is a determining factor in professional wrestler wrestlers is the mileage. And I think, and I think PCO is a, is a prime example of that. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot, but the stuff he's doing is, is awesome. And he is, um, you know, I mean, I mean, he is like, I don't know, 40 something, 50 something years old. And, you know, he's just rocking it. He, and, and part of that is, is not he's only 51, not only his lack of mileage in the ring, but the fact that you know he hasn't been on our television screens all this time for us to get for us to, for us to get tired of him, you know. I mean, well, so, so so he's he's around. He's not been around in I don't know twenty years or something, and and now been, he's now he's back on the internet independent circuit and he's made a name for himself by just changing his gimmick and doing some some uh, 2018 indie type things. And it, and I think I'm really, you know, I, I'm really happy for the guy. And I was, and I really enjoyed watching him in that match last night. He was on the last time we actually saw him when he was somewhat relative, relative, uh, relevant. relevant. We didn't know. We, yeah. We didn't know it was him um, because he was on TNA as a wrestler called X. He wore a mask, uh, competed in the X division, but he never, you know, never took the mask off, so we didn't know it was him. Oh, um, other other than that, he you know he's been he even retired in 2011, was out of wrestling for five years. He came back in 2016 as this French Frankenstein that they're calling him now. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, he was able to reinvent his entire gimmick, and now he's just a damn lunatic. But he's he's 51 years old. He's um, you know right up there with Minoru Suzuki as being insane but still talented. Um, but there were certain things that he did that just blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Yeah, and and I don't know about you, but I was watching that scene going, I really want to see him against Walter. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was in, um, I, I don't know how far you are in MLW, but I got up through um, Battle Riot, uh, which, by the way, was entertaining, to say the least. And he was in that Battle Riot match, and um, he definitely put on a show in there. Granted, oh, yeah, I bet he did. It was only for a couple of minutes before he got you know, eliminated, but he definitely did put on a show the couple of minutes he was there. Yeah, and, he, and they announced last night that, that he and uh, Brody King are the Villain Enterprises representatives for Tag War, and I'd be very happy to see those guys win the whole thing and face the Briscoes at, like, at uh, the anniversary show. I think that would be uh, absolutely... Geez. <laughs> and Brody King is just a beast. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that any of those four guys would walk away alive if they if they faced each other. Though. Well, not after what I saw them do at the, uh, last night. I, PCO I, is the man even human anymore, yeah. or is he? How the hell did he land on both his head and his hip and still be able to keep wrestling in that match? Uh, I uh, I thought he broke his hip that first time. I thought he broke his thought he broke his head on that second time. Just <laughs> mind-boggling. So basically, what we're saying is that um, if you get a chance to watch this match, 
do so. Villain Enterprises um, went up against Briscoes and Silas Young in, I'm not going to say it was a five-star classic, but there was some great moments in it. Uh, there was a standoff, a chop fest between PCO and Mark, or it was a Mark, yeah, it was Mark Briscoe, that is, I'm, I'm in pain. I was in pain watching it. I can't imagine what these two went through. Yeah, it really was crazy, and and it and you know it's it's a fun six man tag, and uh, yeah, you're you're right. It's not a five star classic, but I mean it certainly was entertaining, and you know you know what you get with the Briscoes, you know what you get with with uh, Marty Scurll and Silas Young, but I mean seeing Brody King and um, and PCO was was pretty mind blowing to me. I I have not gotten that far up on MLW. I've only I'm only five five episodes into it, so so I, I haven't seen. Um, that you know, I haven't seen those guys really at all. So I mean, it's it was cool to see those guys for the, well, I guess PCO not really for the first time, but seemingly for the first time, and um, and to see. Bernie I would King, say what he. Does. I would say it's for the first time because I've never seen this PCO character before last night. Yeah, true. And then I, you know, and then I saw him for my second time in the Battle Riot today when I watched that. So, um, I. Uh, I'm impressed by what he's done and how he's been able to reinvent his career and become something that is actually watchable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was he was he had some he had a really good match uh, WWE title match against Bret Hart like in '96 maybe '95 '95 I think. But I mean, but I mean, you're right for, for you know for 23 years later for him to still be out there you know performing or or be out there performing again at this high of a level. And finding a way to adapt his um, his style to well, not his style even, but I guess his talents to the current style is very impressive and, and very commendable. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd agree. Uh, and I I don't know if this character is going to get burned out. Like, are we going to get sick of watching him do the same thing over and over again? Um. Maybe, but I mean, or how, we how, many, still years, how be... many years did Undertaker do the same thing for? <laughs> you know? Or are we going to still be in awe that the man walks away from car wrecks every night? Yeah, that's true. I, I thought you meant more like the monster, like taking chops across the chest and and uh, not caring type of the gimmick. Well, the no selling, but I mean that's that's part of the gimmick. It's just are, are we well, going right, to get Right. Are we going to get sick and tired of, of the whole gimmick as a whole? Or is he going to be able to land on his head enough that we it distracts us to where we still think it's good? Well, I guess maybe it's been so many times we get dropped on our heads. Who knows? I, I've been dropped enough. There's <laughs> <laughs> a couple of other things to Jeff, note. there's always this. one more time. That's a good point. Um a quick note on Silas Young, and you haven't seen this yet. You know, on Ring of Honor TV well, the last why you few weeks, because uh, I don't give a shit. All right. Um, and it's just a throwaway point. Uh, you know, on uh, Ring of Honor TV that. Uh, um, Hello, dark fart. Uh, Beer City Bruiser has been trying to figure out why he and Silas Young aren't friends anymore. Yes. Well, he confronts Silas Young backstage this week. And Silas uh, does explain to him where their friendship stands. So I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, it was awesome. kind of, it was kind of interesting to see the way that it happened, um, but it fits the characters so well 
is just perfectly. I mean, you get you, they get what they're going for out of there. You want to have um, Beer City Bruiser come out of this in one light, and Silas Young come out of it in another, and, and they pulled it off in a backstage interview that was really, really good, but kind of throwaway at the same time. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both those 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 two guys are two of my favorites in Ring of Honor, anyways. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're they're fun. Um, but outside of that, I mean, the P, PJ Black is still amazing. But, dude, what happened? Since we saw him at All In, he looks like he's aged forty years. Is that Lucy again? No, I'm here. Oh. Fighting with my dog again. He just um, he looked he looked like he he went from I I don't know he just looked a lot older than he did the last time we saw him. Yeah, because I don't remember him looking that bad at Survival of the Fittest either, and that was what well, that was the end of September, beginning of October, right? Right. And now we're and now we're you know beginning of January, and he he did I mean he was still awesome like you said, but he, but yeah he did look old. I thought Bandito was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and you know, I actually kept. I was actually getting distracted a bit during that match. I do. I do want to go back and watch it again. But I. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and and the other thing is that I I I had the uh, the pre the pre um, the, I guess the pre event streaming where it was you know it's it's like, um, honoring Supreme will be will be coming up soon on the background and it, and it never started right at six o'clock. So I kind of had to refresh it. So you were texting me these things and you were basically like a minute ahead of me. At the entire oh. <laughs> yeah. See, it's, so it's like, I would wait, I would wait to see what you were talking about before I would respond. But it, it was kind of funny because like you would like, we don't, we don't usually watch the same show at the same time. And, and we have, we happened to be doing that um, yesterday, except for the fact that, you know, I try, I turned it on at like five thirty, um central time. And so, for some reason, the stream never really refreshed for me, so I had, to, I had to like restart it like a minute in or something. Well, I and I ended up probably by the end of the night we were tied again because there were three. It seemed like every other match, um, I had to, I watched it through my Fire Stick, and they need to develop an app for the Fire Stick because I have to watch it through the internet or through the web browser, and it just kept freezing and then kicking me out and I had to keep going back in and refreshing it again and it, it got annoying but it seemed like it was every other match yeah. Uh, but yeah I, 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 did, I, I go ahead I'm sorry I just the whole PJ Black thing um, I just I, I'm amazed after hearing about his um, injury and, and I knew he'd been injured but I didn't know how badly he was injured until I saw it on the NWA uh, 10 pounds of gold last week yeah, you and mentioned that to me, and I, and I still haven't seen that episode yet. To see the way he moves after that injury is just astonishing. But, yeah, it just he looked like he aged 25, 30 years in just the last couple of months. Well, I wouldn't say that far, but I mean, I, he did look—he did look a little bit old. I would—I would agree. But and uh, you know, and, and I was really looking forward to this match coming in. So I'm, I do, like I said, I do want to rewatch it. I mean, I still—I still thought it was great, but I—I I did miss some spots that. Um, it was kind of like I was glancing back, you know, back and forth on it, and I really need to get, need to devote more attention to it than that. Maybe I'll get a chance to do that tomorrow or something. Um, and you know, the other match, I was, another match I was really looking forward to coming in was Tracy Williams taking on Flip Gordon, which was why I was so surprised when you said that was you reason that for your bathroom break. Um, Jim, I, I guess I didn't know much about Tracy Williams. 
uh, and the whole hot sauce moniker kind of threw me to where I was like, all right, bathroom break. Ah, I see. But I went back and watched it today, and after watching, he had a match against Zack Sabre Jr. Um, on Ring of Honor TV this week, and now I, I'm a fan of him. Yeah. He's, he's really gifted. He is gifted. We saw, we, did, we saw him briefly at Survival of the Fittest as well. I think that was kind of like the tryout spot for him and P.J. Black and um, Cesaurus. I don't remember him from Survival of the Fittest. I remember the other guys, but I don't remember him. I think you started watching Survival of the Fittest like like maybe halfway through it or something. So I don't think you, you may not you may not have even seen his match. That's possible. So I don't I don't think you watched that entire card if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, you're right. I did because I um I caught it right after uh the um Briscoes. Right. After the Briscoes beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, so to I me, mean, that's that's where we. So yeah, he, I mean, he he's been there, and I, I do I, I do like how they how they bring guys in to come and give them a tryout before signing the contract. So I'm hoping PJ Black and Williams get get contracts, especially with the fact that just as they're reloading, both Flip Gordon and Chris Saban are down with knee injuries right now. Right. I mean, we don't know how how extensive either one of them are, but um, but I would think that you know since they were, they have their their next big event in like eleven or well, ten days as of today. That you know they're they're probably not going to be a hundred percent at the very least for those shows. You know, I don't know. Are, and, and, and a knee injury, especially with those guys' style, well, more more Gordon than than Saban these days. But but I mean, you don't want to be jumping around the way that Gordon does on a bum knee. No, you don't. And it just it looked painful. Um, you could tell when he tweaked it in this match against Williams, and the fact that he just rolled out and they called the match. Right. Um, you know he's hurt. Right. Um, you know, and Kenny King, though, I, the commentary that Kenny gave during that match was, it was perfect Kenny King, but it just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think about it with how angry he got over Flip, uh, Flip Gordon and Ian Riccoboni's love of Flip Gordon. I, I don't know. They, they've got to be setting up for something with those two. They could be, or it could just be that he was trying to fill the time after Flip got hurt. That's possible. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Kenny, as you know, and I, I'm still a bit bummed at the fact that he did that he didn't win that championship from Jay Lethal, you know, because I, 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 I am not a, a Lethal guy at this point in his, in his career at all. I'm not like I was three years ago. Three years ago, I thought he was one of the best in the world, and now I just. I, I can't get behind him. He's just, he's lost so much. And he's still a talented guy. He's still, you know, a good in-ring storyteller. I just, I think it's his character right now that's that's got me kind of off of him. He just doesn't have that. Um, he reminds me too much right now of Finn Balor. He's just a vanilla baby face. And his in-ring work is suffering because of it. Yeah, I agree. And, um, I mean, I, I did, and I actually, I do, I liked his match against Castle. I thought it was a really good match, actually. Oh, it was a great match. But, I, uh, but, I, and and it's just, it's it's just a shame that you know when you're got when you watch a, an organization like Ring of Honor where there's so much talent that you know you you it's that the main event is always going to is a little bit hit and miss depending on the styles of the two guys. Did you, you know? see the um the uh, stage hand that got his head smashed by a Dalton Castle? Yes. <laughs> and I, I love how the, 
they just ignored it like it didn't happen. They just kept going, calling the match like nothing had happened. But that poor guy, he he got his head wrung pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a concussion out of that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. And, and it's and it's interesting. It's interesting now that uh, Kenny King doesn't have a partner for uh, for tag for tag wars, and neither does um, Cole Cabana apparently. But I, I can't imagine that those two would team up together. Who is Kenny King's partner? He just he said he had to pick somebody. He hadn't picked some anybody. Yet. Oh. Yeah, and Flip Flip is definitely not going to be ready for it. Yeah, there's there's no way. Um, kind of really the only other thing I had of note out of this entire show was, did you? What was the deal with? Um, uh, oh, I can't. Vinnie Marsalia uh, when he threw up his hands to stop Luchasaurus and Hurricane Helms. What was? that all about did you catch that no I don't think I did Luchasaurus was running into um, to attack him and he just threw his hand up and like you know stop and then Hurricane Helms came and he did the same thing to Helms and he had both hands up while he was slowly backing up into the corner to tag in TK Orion oh it was just it was just an odd moment that I didn't really understand what the hell was happening. Yeah, it was probably it's probably just he wanted to get his partner in, I guess. I I don't know. No, I it just it just maybe, it, maybe he has magical powers and he can, and he can and he can briefly control your mind or something. Well, maybe, I guess. I don't know. It would have been nice if he would have drug a boy underneath the ring again to make him dress up as Freddy Krueger. But speaking of speaking of Vinny Marcella Marcella's under the or Marcelia under the ring. I, I did think it was hilarious when Kelly Klein reached under the ring for a weapon and she came out with, came out with his balloon and like just yeah. got waffled because of it. She's like, that, "What the fuck is this?" That was yeah, that was pretty humorous. The that match too. I don't know if I can give enough credit to. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it, and I, I'm I'm in love with Kelly Klein. I think she's amazing. Um, and I I just yeah don't, I mean. The thing is that usually in a wrestling match, I don't notice the crowd. I really did in this one. Yeah, um, maybe I that's what. The, I think it's because the commentators keep drawing attention to it. But I mean, I mean, Jenny was Jenny Rose kept trying to get the crowd involved. They kept kind of not responding, and and it really detracted, I think, from the overall action in the ring that she was so worried about getting the crowd to react. Well, and it was clearly a, a badly promoted house show. Um, you know, they with the the size of the crowd there, it just right. I don't they they did not promote that well because that that should have had a lot more people in the stands than it did. Yeah, there was a yeah there definitely were a lot of empty seats, especially in the upper, um, the balcony area. I guess I guess it would be. Which is which is odd for a Ring of Honor show, especially one that has you know title matches on it. I honestly think you're gonna be seeing that more and more now with the fact that the elite aren't there anymore. I know the I know the Bucks sold a lot of tickets, and I know Cody did. But were they? I I guess I'm kind of backtracking myself here because I was the one saying that you know they're going to be hurting uh, with the elite moving on. But I just I can't imagine that those guys were that big of a draw for them that they would affect ticket sales that much. Yeah, it, they, it's well, like, they are, and also the New Japan talent are. I mean, I mean, Juice and 
and Finley and and best friends were on this show, but I mean there really wasn't anybody else like like Naito or Kushida, who I guess it isn't in New Japan Town anymore, or or you know like like the the major chaos guys there to uh, to help sell the show either. You know Liger wasn't there, so I mean I I think that that when you're talking about shows that are mostly focused on Ring of Honor exclusive talent. At least, in, at least until they really get rolling again, um, and especially in, and especially in my opinion, with Jay Lethal as your champion, this is the kind of crowd you're going to be getting. Yeah, I, I do think Jay Lethal needs to lose the belt here soon. Uh, I he unfortunately we know he's going to get one more victory, so that he at least ties the record. Um, but I, I just don't think he has enough heat behind him right now to to carry the brand. But at that same point. Outside of Dalton Castle, who would you put there? Maybe Silas Young? Um, I would go with Matt Taven. I, I, would have, I would have a champion versus champion match and have Matt Taven win the match. And then, he, and then, he's, and then basically he's got like a Ric Flair type run behind him where he wins the match cleanly, but he's, got, but he's always got the kingdom there to, to back him up and he, and he starts building heat that way. You know, and I, I'm there with you where I think Matt Taven's going to be champion before the uh, middle of the year. I just don't know that I want his story to end yet. With the with the real world champion and, and all that stuff, I just don't think I want that to end at this point. Well, I don't either, except for the fact that I don't know that, that he's basically coming out and telling all the top contenders, you don't deserve a shot at my championship. And he, was not, and he was not going to be defending that real world championship as a championship. Then, um, then what's the point, really? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. I, I, I do, I do like the fact that Nick Aldis is showing up there because, because we might be seeing Nick Aldis take on Jay Lethal for that championship, maybe at the 15th anniversary show or something. And, well, and, and, he did. and then of course, and of course, also the fact that Ring of Honor and and NWA have announced that they're co-promoting the Crockett Cup pay-per-view coming up in April. Right, and the thing. Uh, that was kind of an odd moment at the end of final battle with all this walking out there. Um, but he was I, phenomenal the entire time. But no, I'm talking about a final battle, not last night. Oh, final battle. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm La- sorry. Last night he was, he was spot on. He was the Nick Aldis that I, that I know and love, but he, when he walked out at final battle and just kind of stood there and then turned around and walked out, it mm-hmm. just, I, I still, that was still just such a confusing spot. Yeah. What was the yeah, and, 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 and yeah, really, and you're going to fly Nick Aldis in just to do that? Just to he, walk? Or was, he, or was he at the TV tapings? I think he was at the TV tapings. Um, I, mean, I, I have, know he was yesterday. I mean, I know he was on on Saturday, but I'm not sure if he was the the, the, the ones after Final Battle. I don't think so, because I don't remember him being on last week's, and he hasn't been on this week so far, so. Okay. Yeah, it just... Yeah, that, it, yeah, it is weird that you would fly a guy into New York City just to do that. Unless that was just a unplanned spot where he just happened to be there. Or it was just to get the NWA championship on, on a lot of eyes again. Yeah, but why not then come out and at least cut a promo? <laughs> Congratulate Lethal or something. Yeah, no idea. That, just, you're, right, you're right, that was a weird spot. It was just, it was odd. It was just odd. But last night he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal on the mic again. He was phenomenal in his um, speech ahead of time. You know, I, I. Go ahead. No, I was just say I really like 
really liked what I saw out of him yesterday. Yeah. And, and now that the elite are gone, you know, I think probably my, my very favorite guy in the promotion right now is Shane Taylor. And, and while I was disappointed to not be able to see him, to see him wrestle last night, I, I think that, you know, his, the promo he cut before the match and the way he beat down Cobb after the match was ex was certain, was totally excellent. And I like the fact that he is now aligned with um, Bully Ray and Jeff Cobb and the Briscoes in some kind of a, of a faction. So I mean, I'm really I'm really glad he's getting at least a little bit of spotlight now. And you know, you, you and I had talked before that I th- that we thought that he and Hangman Page in you know three to five years could be major main eventers on a major pay per view. And now, right. you know, of course Page has left, but Taylor is is really rolling into that. Uh, Mid card title contender spot at the very least, right? Yeah, and I mean he's he's good at it too. I mean he's he's definitely coming into his own. Um, you know, Keith Lee is off doing his thing now, and uh, Taylor is starting to really become really find himself. Uh, I don't know that I would have rather seen him actually wrestle in this proving ground match than what had than what did happen, but. I'm okay with it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, made, it made Cobb look strong, but it, it also made Taylor look strong in the sense that he was, he feels like he was too good for this one, and he, and he didn't actually, you know, have to have to, I guess, sully himself with these other with these with these guys like Titus and, and Gresham. You know? Well, I mean, Taylor not being in there gave us more rep Titus. Yes, and and you were thrilled about that, I'm sure. The constant Lex Luger references, though, were starting to get a little bit, little bit overdone. Oh come on, you love his oiled-up physique. Well, the Flex Express, really. <laughs> and what was the the torture rack um, comment that? Speaking of somebody who's all racked up, I think it's right. One. Yeah, it was just. It's, Enough with the Lex Luger references. <laughs> it yeah. was starting to get a little bit old. Yeah, agreed. So, but, so I mean, and, I mean, this was a. I, I, know, felt, the, I feel like this was a was, was a very good show overall. It's just it's just that you know there's a lot of it that was kind of throwaway at the same time. The thing too, and, and we've been praising Jonathan Gresham for these style or these types of matches where he's always always seems to shine. I don't remember him doing anything. Oh no, he match. was actually no, he was awesome in this one too. Was he? I, I maybe I just missed it, but I there wasn't enough Jonathan Gresham spots for me to really notice him standing out. Yeah, I mean, I mean basically, it, I mean a lot of it was him, you know, being no sold by Jeff Cobb, of course. But I mean, there was also some spots where he went, he was like flying through the air both ways and, and things like that outside the ring. So I mean, oh, I okay. thought, yeah, I mean, he he really, I'm I'm really starting to enjoy Jonathan Gresham. The um, it, it started with these multi-man type matches, but I mean, the match against Saber Junior. Um, you know, we saw him in that tag in the, that tag match in um, Defiant. 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 Yeah, I mean, Which, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, he's really starting to grow on me now. Defiant is uh, hit another gear this week too. I'm so yeah, and I still haven't seen last week yet. I'm really starting to like Defiant. Um, they've got uh, SCC is out there with against. Uh, it basically made a heel turn. Um, they had. Uh, it, which I thought was kind of a cool moment, but this this weekend weekend has well week and weekend has been a lot about uh, Dynamite Kit everywhere you look because of you know what was, what was his birthday or something would have been his birthday. 
Well, didn't he? Didn't he just die recently? Remember? Yeah, but they. It just seemed like there was a lot of um, Dynamite Kid stuff all over the place. When you look at uh, the NXT Takeover, we had uh, Mustache Mountain coming out dressed like the Bulldogs. Yeah, I love uh, that. I love that. It, that that was another nice touch to that match. And on Defiant Wrestling, they had um, the nephews of Dynamite Kid. Uh, oh, interesting. Seven, a 17-year-old and 15-year-old put on a match that was actually kind of entertaining. Oh, they actually, they're actually wrestlers? Yeah. They, um, they, they had them on Defiant TV this week doing, uh, running a match. Yeah, I would, think if, I would think if anybody's relatives would not want to get into wrestling, it would be Dynamite Kids. You would think so, yeah. But yeah. nope, they're both wrestlers. Wow. So, and Defiant is it's still it still has some goofiness with the um, general manager, but I, I'm starting to enjoy a lot of the wrestlers on there uh, a lot more than I did that first when after those first three or four episodes when I was like ah, I don't get this. Now I'm starting to actually it's starting to hit another gear and I'm starting to enjoy it. Well, my wife will be passed out, out most of tomorrow after her surgery, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll pop it on and watch a couple watch those two episodes I have, I'm not caught up on yet. And if you get a chance, uh, you got to get to Battle Riot. It, it was. Well, I will, but you're, but but you're, you sit there at work listening to the damn thing, and I and I don't have time to do that. I can't do that kind of stuff. Well, I just kind of listen for good matches and then go back and watch them. And, and I'm not a and I'm not a binge watcher like you, like you are, so I have to I have to kind of like go back and forth between what I'm doing. Well, I'm just trying to get NXT caught up here too, so because um, I want to make right. sure I'm caught up on that and this. I, the um, episode I just watched was, uh, I want to say it was like the second or third one after War Games when um, Johnny comes out to confront Aleister Black after Aleister comes out to confront Ciampa and okay. uh, the Ciampa speech where he, he goes, now this is the Johnny I like when you leave the wrestling in the back and come out here as Johnny Badass. Yeah, that was excellent. That, and then he manipulated him into a steel cage match and everything. It's just him being the puppet master is kind of kind of a fun take on his character. Yeah, so I think you're actually two weeks behind me. Then. Am I two weeks? Okay, I think so. I think I think, but it, it doesn't matter. We'll we'll still both be caught up before before NXT Takeover starts in what two are we? Weeks. 12, 12, day, Twelve days away now. Something like that. Yeah, I'll yeah. be caught up by the end of this week. Um, but yeah. I it just we're not we're not literally doing the campout thing where we're watching both shows at your house, right? No. Okay, didn't think so. I I can't I can't be around you that long. <laughs> uh, well, my oh. dogs are driving me nuts. So is there anything else you want to touch on before we before we head out of here? I really have nothing. I mean, other than the fact that it, it, pretty much every promotion I'm watching right now, I'm enjoying. Uh, Defiant is has hit another gear. MLW is phenomenal. Uh, you know. Ring of Honor is starting to fill in the gaps left by the elite. Uh, we just watched some. I just watched a few new Japan shows. Um, some of the new, newer stuff that they've got out there. Um, you know, it's Impact is still amazing. Um, Sammy Callahan is, and I'm still watching 2018 Sammy Callahan, but he right now is the front runner for my wrestler of the year this year. So. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm enjoying every promotion that I'm watching. So, yeah. Well, and I did watch the very first episode of or- of uh, the Oriental Wrestling I could entertainment show, and I 
I, I, I still don't know what I think about that. It's, it's hard to follow because it's all in Chinese and Japanese and, and uh, I can barely tell who some of the guys are, but I mean, there was, there was some decent stuff. Another thing that really blew me away. So, I mean, I'm hoping that it'll be get better as it goes on and, and we'll see, you know, why all we chose those guys as their partners. Yeah. I, it, I saw some highlights on it and it just, to me, looks like a bunch of cruiserweights. Kind of. Yeah. You know, but then again, remember I said the same thing about Defiant when the first episode I watched that and then I was, you know, now I'm five in and I'm like, okay, I like this show. <laughs> so, there's also a, there's also a Japanese Lance Archer guy called amazingly enough launcher. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, oh, and Defiant, <laughs> Defiant this week had David Starr versus Pac. Oh, which okay. was yeah, I'll definitely, a I'll watching those two episodes tomorrow. Then. That was a phenomenal match, absolutely phenomenal. All right, so it wasn't. Why don't you, why don't you hit the social media? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I'm not going to say that it was a um, you know five star classic match of the year candidate, but just the story that those two told was brilliant, just brilliantly done. Oh yeah. Let's speaking of that, how many Garganos? I'm going to go five and a half Garganos for the main event at TakeOver Blackpool. I'm going to go five for the opener. Where do you got those? I am going to break my norm here, and I'm going to put it up there with the Okada white match at five and a half Garganos for the main event. And then I have the tag match just slightly under at four four, four and three quarters. Four and three quarter Garganos. Yeah, I mean there was there was some spots in that tag match where where the, like I said there was a little bit a little bit of miscue, but but those but those the very end of it and the way and the way that Seven was selling that arm and stuff, I, it just to me it's still in that five Gargano range. Yeah, and I I couldn't give it because there was a few sloppy moments in the beginning mm-hmm. that pulled me out of it, but um, once once we got past that, and you know I'm not one for you know sloppy moments for me are fine. Uh, and maybe I didn't see enough of the story ahead of time, but I just, I didn't think it was the perfect match. Gotcha. All right. So, and, and, uh, and of course there was really nothing on, on last night, you know, that reached that, that area. No, so. not even close. I, yeah. There was some fun spots. There were some matches I would recommend, but um, I, the, the kingdom versus the, the green team is a match I would definitely recommend. Um, I thought villain enterprises versus Briscoe's and, um, and Silas Young was a match I would definitely recommend. But and then even you and, know, and actually the the regular tag match was really good too, and, and of course the main event. So yeah, the main event was the main event was good, not great, but good. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all in the four Gargano range, I think. So I mean, I would give I if, if you're going to watch that, I would just pick out those four or five matches. It, the it it hurts me to say that the Kelly Klein match wasn't that good. Yeah, me too. Because yeah, I yeah. wanted that to be better than it was, but it just didn't hit it. No. So, but um, follow us on Facebook. Just uh, search Kingdom of Honor. Uh, are we King? Yeah, Kingdom Kingdom of Honor, and you can find us easily on Facebook. We have a uh, skull with a ring in the background, skull wearing a crown as our as our profile picture. Um, follow us on on Facebook at Regi Co-op for me at Zanman Lop for him. And uh, hashtag Kingdom of Honor. And like I said, give us any suggestions you've got on matches. We're more than willing to check them out. I especially will go back and watch them as soon as I can. Right now I've got a list of a bunch, thanks to Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but, but keep them coming because I do enjoy going back and watching them. So. 
Yeah, and, and next week we'll be we'll be there's not a lot going on this week in, as far as in terms of uh, of pro wrestling as far as um, big shows. So we're gonna go we're gonna talk about all elite wrestling, perhaps even doing a draft, and uh, we'll talk we'll talk about some defiance. I'll be caught up, and we'll talk about some uh, Ring of Honor well, again, I probably think, too. I I think as long as we're talking about it, we should really do that draft and and what the idea for our draft was, and and it maybe needs to be flushed out a little bit. I. I think um, the way that I want to do it, and I don't know how you are feeling about it, is taking people that we want to see in all elite wrestling, drafting them from the um, WWE main roster only, and people that are not in prime positions. Basically, people that are being underutilized that we would like to see go to AEW because then they could actually fulfill the potential that they have. I would see either... Are not are not being used in peaks in peak spots, or have already peaked to the point where there really isn't anything, anything left for them to do in that company. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you're right. Because I, mean, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking more of you know the people that came in and just flopped massively. But you're right. There are a couple of people that still have some mileage left on their tires, but they're just they've got nowhere to go. They've got right. no more to do. They can't. You know, when you look at a guy like Randy Orton what's he got left in to prove in WWE. But I think going to AEW could really jumpstart his career again. He could be what he was 10 years ago. There you go. Yeah, so, we, so, 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 that, so that's the plan for next week. We're, we're, I think we'll each draft like 10 people and we'll do it like a, and we'll do a, an actual draft style. So we'll flip a coin. Um, I will win the coin toss. <laughs> I will go first. So what are you saying that you're on the clock? <laughs> Uh, no. No, all right. No, and I'm not on the, I'm not on the cock either. So. That's all right, because I got three potential number ones right off the top of my head. Well, I've got three as well, and oh. I think and I think you'll be surprised with, with well, you probably won't be surprised. I, I, but I think because I, I think probably they're all good choices for different reasons. I probably have the same three. <laughs> Could be. All right. But anyway, we'll talk about that next week. For now, that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. And this is. Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. Ladies.